Well, hi, everybody. It's Mark Corona, Chief Marketing Officer with Chief Outsiders. Welcome to this podcast. This is going to be, I think, a really interesting topic because we're going to talk about branding, but not talking about branding in the traditional sense. We're going to talk about branding processes or the way you do things versus branding your product and service. And just as a little bit of an introduction to this topic, you know, we found that the value proposition of many businesses is really based on what they do well. That wouldn't necessarily surprise you. But in many cases, focusing on what a company does, that means the products they make or the services they offer, really is not very differentiating or compelling. And even more problematic, many value propositions do not offer clear benefits to problems and challenges their customers face. I think we've all seen sort of ineffective value propositions, you know, the, the ones that start with, we've been in business since 1936, are probably in great need of a rewrite, right? Because they didn't tell you anything about what the company does or who they work with or the, the value that they bring. So in this podcast, we're going to try to give you some really practical guidance. We're going to talk about creating value propositions on how businesses create value instead of what they do, and codifying, packaging, branding a company's service components can offer deliver a message which is much more compelling and differentiating. And what's more, codifying the way customers are serviced is a great way to integrate operations, sales, and marketing. So I'd like to introduce my guests good friend and colleague at Chief Outsiders. Uh, Dennis Balin is also a partner and chief marketing officer with Chief Outsiders. And Dennis and I have worked together for five years. And I, Dennis, I think the first time we met, it was at a regional meeting. And I think you gave a presentation on this topic. So I, I know this is something that's near and dear to your heart and that you continue to bring to the forefront. But Dennis, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of do a little bit of an introduction and talk about how you develop such a passion for branding the how. Thanks, Mark. It's, a, it's really a pleasure to be with you here. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about a topic I'm very enthusiastic and passionate about. I first encountered the opportunity for this. It really first occurred to me many years ago when I was on the ad agency side of the business. And part of my responsibility was new business development. And I would develop relationships with prospects on a pretty one-on-one -on -one personal level. And they would at times say to me, Dennis, I like you. I, I think I'd like to do business with your company. What's the next step? And I learned very quickly, it would be really good if I had an answer to that question. <laughs> you know, how to get started. And, right. and then and that parlayed over time to I was consulting with a custom home builder who wanted to grow the business. At the time, they were probably about a $15 million a year business. Every project was a one-off project. There was no economies of scale. But even though every end result was unique, the process of getting from day one to that project completion was totally replicable. Yet no one was really doing anything with that. So I understood that 
regardless of what home we were building, you stake the ground, you dig a hole, you pour concrete, you do the rough framing and so forth and so on. And each step of the way, because each home was particularly custom, the customer owed us certain selection decisions to allow the project to move forward. When I met with the president of the company during this discussion, he said, you know, we want to grow. And I said, you know, right now, typical entrepreneur, you tend to micromanage your projects. You're very involved with everything. His name is Ross. All your project superintendents say there's a Ross way. We know how to do things. And I said, there can't be a Ross way for doing things because there's only one Ross. The name of the company is Windward. There should be a Windward way homes get built. He immediately loved the whole alliteration and notion of the, the windward way. He said, what is that? I said, that's what we have to figure out. And when I engaged in that, I saw the replicability of that process and I started to codify it and package it. Yeah. And indeed define each of those steps, what decisions were made or owed at each of those junctures, define those as key milestones in the process. Yeah. And so we codified all that, we packaged it, and then we branded it as building the windward way. What form did that take, Dennis? I mean, just so people can understand, I mean, that you're talking about a set of processes, right? Interrelated processes, if you will, that represented how this business worked and interacted with its customers. Right. In this case, it took the place of a leather-bound customer care guidebook that uh, had tabs within it that defined each of these key milestones. And part of our thinking, and it also re was represented on their website, of course, as well as in other marketing materials. But part of it was to make the whole service component of the business, which is typically an intangible value, to make it feel like a product, to make mm -hmm. it feel tangible, to give it presence, if you will. And the outcome of that ultimately was that we grew the business over 500% in a very short time. And we did not have to competitively bid a number of our jobs because people bought the process. Very often you'll hear people say, I love my home. I hated my home builder. Mm -hmm. And so what we sold by having this process so defined was confidence in the process. And we would tell people, we build beautiful homes. Our competitors build beautiful homes. Here is how we get you from today into that home. Here are yeah. our milestone meetings. Here's the format. Here's the selection schedule. Here's the uh, Gantt charts and the critical path and so forth. We implore you, any other builder you're considering for this project, ask them for their process. Ask them how they can assure that they can get you from today into that home as pain-free as possible. Yeah. And it was a very successful entity. And, and, and from that model, I have, A, brought it to other builders, but also applied it to other industries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you say this, I'm thinking about some experiences I've had. You know, one at um, when I was a payment executive at U.S. Bank in Minneapolis, you know, as chief marketing officer, I've sponsored an annual brand survey, right? Why? I mean... You talk about sort of people spending time giving you feedback. This You could not get this thing done in less than 90 minutes, but we had 65% of our customers actually spent the 90 minutes to fill it out. I mean, it was great feedback, right? And you knew that they really cared about the business to spend that much time on it. 
but I went and looked at a couple of historic surveys. And what I found is every year we got horrible marks on our onboarding program for the new credit card program, right? They would, I mean, they were like, just, you guys are terrible. You're worse than class. Everybody does this better than you, right? I mean, it was pretty, pretty obvious. But, you know, with that feedback for years, nobody had done anything with it. And I said, you know what, we're going to have to fix this, right? And we did. We re-engineered the processes. We brought in people who knew some best practices. We literally took a process that took a year plus and turned it into a process that could get executed in a week or so, right? Right. Right. And so we went basically, then we got market feedback was now you guys are best in class. You went from worst in class to best in class. And we said, you know what? We should probably call this something, right? And we did, we branded it. I mean, my experience is sort of similar to yours in the sense that it's sort of uh, building buyer confidence in what they're going to get in the outcome by revealing sort of all the secrets of how we're going to get there or what that roadmap looks like seems to be a pretty powerful exercise. Absolutely. I mean, I do a lot of work as you do in manufacturing and industrial kind of uh, environments. And so often there's a presentation of here's our catalog of products and we have quality and, and, and so forth. And I have found that there's very little differentiation in those kinds of offerings and those that kind of messaging. And just yesterday, for example, I spoke to a group uh, in the manufacturing space that was a Vistage group. And I asked, how, how many of you work your way to provide your customers, your clients with customized solutions to fill their needs? And almost all of them are offering some sort of custom solution to their customers or clients. Mm-hmm. And I said, how, how many of you have some sort of instrument that you take your clients through to help you ascertain what is the best solution for them? Some sort of diagnostics, some sort of series of questions and so forth. And they almost all raise their hands that they have some sort of process they take their customers through to figure out what the right answer is for that customer. In almost every case, I would say in this group, every case, not one of those exploratory processes, diagnostic processes were packaged or branded. And what I've said to people is, even if your process is no different to help your clients get to the right solution, than your competitors' processes, you can still package it, name it, and brand it and make it feel proprietary. And that puts you in an exclusive space because no one else can offer the name process that you offer. And when I look at process, I kind of look at two pillars of that. One is how do we manage a project from initial discovery through project completion? What are the key steps? What are the key deliverables? What are the key milestones? That's one. And then two, how do we take care of our customer throughout that process? What are the communication protocols? What's the cadence of communications? How do we update them? Uh, Mm -hmm. as to where we stand and so forth. When you codify and combine those thoughts, you have now truly, I think, started to unify your operations and your project delivery approach and your customer care, marketing, communication, and customer touchpoint approach. When you have kind of a unified voice that combines your operations and your marketing in that way, I think that's a grand slam home run. Well, sure, because you've got 
everybody literally that interacts with a customer telling the story the same way. Exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. it's really it's really about reinforcing your value proposition and your brand. And you know, I think that's really that's something everybody talks about. I don't think every organization is able to sort of get there though, right? Agreed. It's so often you started with, you know, I've, I've, I've often seen the question, what's your USP, right? What is your unique selling proposition? And, you know, especially in the spaces that I work in, manufacturing, industrial, and so forth, you know, what makes you different than your competition? I've seen many cases where there is no difference between the company that we represent and their competition. The products perform pretty much virtually the same. The specs are the same that they're meeting and so forth. And it's through codified package branded process that you can create a point of difference that's meaningful to your prospects and customers yeah. and can motivate them when the what you do is not really what differentiates you. It's the how right. you do it. How you do it, right. So let's. I want to talk a little bit about that. And I also want to talk about sort of what kinds of processes are great candidates. But let's start out with something that looks like an onboarding process, right? Or in the case of the custom home builder dentist or that all the process of getting you into your house, right? That's really an onboarding process yep, yep. too, right? Yep. And, you know, it seems to me, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it seems to me that everybody benefits from visibility into that process because first of all, I mean, it's got to help set appropriate expectations about where we are and what your move-in date's going to be in the case of the custom home builder, right? Because I think a lot of times people start on a home building project or any project and they think it's going to take this long, but they don't really know. But if they're actually able to track key milestones along the way, then everybody uh, gets on the same page relative to expectations. Agreed. And, and, and expectations are a two-way street in the sense that for many, and, and even just to get beyond the home building and construction, regardless, in, in almost all of the industries we work with, the deliverables are on both sides of the uh, on both sides. The client has to make certain decisions for the right. for the company to move forward. They have to make certain approvals, and the company owes certain communications and updates. To spell all of that out in advance and define that process, what do you owe us when, what do we owe you when, what can you expect by when, it instills confidence in what's going to happen. Because now you're kind of saying, here's what you can expect when you do business with us. And I think that's what many, if you look at most testimonials that I've seen that most of our company, client companies receive. It wasn't about the what they did. It, it's about what it was like to do business with them. How yeah, did yeah. they anticipate my needs? How did they respond to my problems? How, you know, all of those, how proactive were they? And to look at codifying your process, first of all, it really speaks to the pain points of many customers because that's what they really value. But it also helps make a business scalable because mm -hmm. it gets you out of tribal knowledge. It starts to document the way we do business with our customers, and it truly can feed culture and document and allow the business to grow in a consistent manner. Yeah, and I would think, too, I mean, the, the, the point everyone benefits, not just in setting expectations, but in working together and building a relationship based around 
key milestones and deliverables and a clear sense of, you know, if you can't take out this tile by a certain date, you know, that we're not going to be able to install it on next Monday, right? Indeed, in that environment, we had key milestone meetings at each of those construct, you know, those junctures, those project junctures, and, and identified what decisions needed to be made by that milestone, and then documented, recorded whether they were or not, and then yeah. um, gave those meeting minutes back to that particular homeowner. You know, so often in, in other businesses, you know, um, sales lands a prospect. And now they're, you're doing business with them. And now other people have ownership of that relationship. Well, how do we communicate that in terms of who, you know, who's really now going to be in charge of communicating with you? Who should you go to for your questions? I've always believed, and I know we have in Chief Outsiders, a kickoff meeting to start an engagement. The very first meeting that we built into our codified process was what we called a project launch meeting. And we had all stakeholders attend that meeting, whether in person or by remote. And then we shared all of those processes, details in terms of here's how the financing works. Here's how the invoicing works. Here's what the schedule looks like. Here's what the overall budget looks like. All of those types of things are cleared up in questions asked and answered in that kickoff meeting to get a relationship and a project mm -hmm. started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the improved confidence or certainty that you're going to get to the end result when we said we are going to, be, and, and the no surprises because we've been communicating throughout, right? So we both know if it's going to happen early or happen on time or happen late, regardless of what kind of a project it is, is, is pretty important. And also whether it's going to happen on not just on time, but on scope and on budget, right? So there right. are literally, you know, no surprises at the end of any big, um, a big client engagement. I mean, we competed against other quality builders in that environment who often showed beautiful homes, beautiful pictures of rooms, so forth. And we really didn't dwell much on that. We had them on our website, but we basically again, said, we, you know, we have those pictures and we'll happily share them with you. But we ask you to ask our competitors how they will get you from today into that. Let them show you their process. And we found that was a great differentiator uh, mm -hmm. for us and really built the, built the brand. Yeah. Okay. Dennis, you know, when you talked about the binder that you put together for, uh, for Woodward, you talked about sort of, and I, I've seen it because I think you brought it the very first time we looked at it, right? I mean, it's a very elegant, elaborate, sort of very impressive thing, right? It's kind of like, you know, you put it on the table and right away and you're like, whoa, you know, this is something really different. How do you think digitization of customer interaction would change that? Uh, how, how might it be altered, but still be effective? Absolutely. So what I've been working with the companies lately, because while, while there is still value in the binder when you have those face-to-face -face opportunities, just because, again, to make the intangible feel tangible, there's, there, it just adds to the gravitas and the perceived value of it. But first of all, working with companies just to define and codify and brand their process on their website. So here's what you can expect when you do business with us. And then through the customer logon portals, the, uh, the gated portals, 
to be able to take the flow chart of the process as it was described, and it's almost like a map in a shopping mall, you are here type of thing, mm -hmm. and just tracking along with where things are at from a project management and a customer care point of view. Here's this communication, here's where the project stands, here's the next step, here's when you can expect it. And it almost becomes like a slider in a gated portal that the customer can enter and they can see where they are particularly at, what is coming next, and so forth. And it just helps them see where they're at in the journey that they're on from uh, inception to project completion. And we sold projects based on that process. And what's interesting was I became the COO of that company after hitting on this approach. For eight years, I, I was the COO of the company. And I, as such, I was the complaint department. And so whenever we did not deliver on that process, we missed a milestone meeting. We didn't communicate appropriately. That's when my phone rang. And this applies in so many businesses, you know, so I would call my project superintendent and say, you know, Mr. So-and-so complained because you didn't provide an update on this particular issue that was still pending. And they would always reply or often reply, I'm working on it. And I would just say simply, it would be good if you would let them know that they, you yeah. haven't forgotten them and that you're working on it. And so in any industry, those kinds of communications often fall through the cracks and can be easily embedded in some sort of communication protocol to at least help minimize that possibility. The other thing this drove when we codified this process, while it was all about customer care, was we then ended up authoring a revised uh, operations manual. And it was also in line with what we were doing with the Windward Way. So again, when you have that core philosophy about how you take care of a customer with all of your communication protocols and your milestones and your cadence and so forth, and how you manage a project through and where the communications intersect, you've really done, a, I think, a yeoman's job at integrating your operations with your markup. I got a question for you. So since you exposed this whole process to customers, right? I mean, they had it right there in the book. Were they able to, over time, provide you with ideas to enhance the process? you know, information or sequence or time or anything like that? Not really. They just wanted adherence. They, you know, they bought it. They liked it. It served them. And they just wanted us to deliver on it and adhere to it. I will say that, you know, we were building very high-end product here. And some of our customers, and I'm sure many of our audience members to this podcast will relate. Some of our customers, some of our clients would not allow themselves to be managed into this process. And that was always a challenge. And in the whole guise of this, if you will, was this, we, we serve this up as a way to better serve our customers. But what we were really trying to do was manage our customers. And yeah. by having a codified process that had stated commitments that we would make and expected commitments in timing that they would make, we were trying to manage them to be better customers so we could do a better job to serve them. We never said it that way, but in a number of industries, that's what we've tried to do by codifying the customer yeah. care and project management process. Yeah. And, and let's talk about that for a second. So do you think there are any industries where branding the how or branding your process would be a real challenge? 
That's a great question. I've not encountered that yet myself because I've done it in manufacturing. I've done it in industry. I've done it in professional services. And I kind of always start with the same, you know, you start at one point with the same question because so often in these industries, they're not offering off-the-shelf solutions. Now, now maybe if you all you have is an off-the-shelf solution, maybe process is less, less important. Mm-hmm. I'm just buying a, you know, an off-the-shelf. But to any degree where you have some sort of customized, tailored solution that you're going to offer to a customer or client, there is a process you went through to figure out what that solution should be. Mm-hmm. And I still maintain that in many cases, your process is no different than your competitive process. That does not mean that you can't package, codify, package, and brand it and make it feel proprietary, even if it's shared. For those who are really interested, there's a three-part blog series in the Chief Outsider Resource section, specifically speaking to this topic about branding your service component. And we've applied it to a number of different industries. So the only thing I can think of, Mark, is if you're offering just an off-the-shelf kind of product, I I don't know the process will matter as much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of manufacturers, right, where they'll all buy the same technology to produce whatever they're producing, right? Years ago, it might have been analog technology. I know I spent like six or seven years with Deluxe Corporation, you know, the big check printer, right? And they would say that one of their distinctives was their ability to take a a press and reconfigure the press, put tasks in front of it and tasks after it that allowed that particular device, which anybody could buy if you had, you know, right amount of money, and that they created a process and a modification to the device, right? Now, those presses aren't analog any longer. They're all digital. But even so, I've been working with a metal fabricator who says, here's kind of what we buy, right? I mean, they expose kind of their operating environment to clients say, well, we have these panel benders and, you know, these punches and whatever, because they're using name brand equipment. But they'll also say, but we use it differently than our competitors do. You know, we integrate people and the, and the technology in a way that our competitors don't, which makes us more productive, more efficient, produces higher quality. I mean, does that sound legitimate to you that you could make that claim based on every, hey, everybody starts with the same technology, but not everybody uses it the same way? I think that it, there's potential in that. I would just, you know, I would be hungry for the proof points. Tell me more. What, mm-hmm. How do you use it differently? How does that benefit me? that type of thing. And then you can build that into a process and then name it and make it your own. To say we do it differently is different than saying we only we can offer you the XXX manner of technology human interface that Mm -hmm. no one else does. Even if it's the same, the fact that you've named it the XXX makes it yours. And that's where I think people kind of miss the opportunity to make something proprietary. They feel if we don't, if we're not truly different, we can't create a perception of difference. And I'm not saying mislead, I'm not saying mislead people, don't promise what you can't deliver. I would never say that, but I'm saying there is an opportunity to take what's common and make it uniquely yours. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking back too, to the early days of Amazon, you know, with the one-click ordering, right? I mean, Amazon's products early on weren't any different than products that you could buy in bookstores or 
audio stores, right? Because I mean, when they were when they first started out, they were selling CDs and books, right? That, but they, they it was they always had a uh, a business model that would diversify way beyond that. But you couldn't sell everything all at once. But it seemed like the one click ordering, which I think was an example of this, was actually more important than how expansive their inventory was or their delivery or anything else. Or even now with what they've been able to do with, you know, see where your delivery's at. How many stops away is it? When can you expect it? I mean, that's another version of process codification. You're telling me what I can expect before it happens. And, And again, that just instills confidence. Whenever we have successfully codified and branded process, it tells people that this is not our first rodeo, if you will. We've been through this before. We know what it takes for success, your success and our success. Here's what it looks like, and this is what we will deliver on. It just instills confidence in who you are and the outcome that we're both going to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think anything that is somewhat opaque as a, uh, as a service, right? I mean, products, you know, you go online, I'm, I'm interested in a you know, Samsung QLED 65 inch TV, right? I mean, you can go find the specs on that pretty easily. But when you're buying a service in particular, it's much harder to sort of get, it feels opaque, right? How do I know I'm going to get what I think I'm buying when I expect it? What will a deliverable look like? It seems like if one laid out that process of getting to done, whatever yes. done looks like, it would not just make for a better outcome, but it seems like it would help you close more business because, yeah. right? Absolutely. I mean, again, we used to have to competitively bid every project. And very often, if you weren't the low bidder, you didn't get it. There, there was some brand equity that allowed us to win projects when we weren't the low bidder. But it got to a point where selling process, we um, no longer competitive. I think a third of our projects no longer that we won were no longer even competitively bid anymore. They bought the process. And so, uh, you know, it definitely gave that kind of confidence. It helped us close more business. It helped our margin. All of those things um, were enhanced because we differentiated ourselves in a way that the customer valued. And, uh, you know, we talk about insights at Chief Outsiders. I mean, this, this codification of process came from consumer interviews who said, I love my home. I didn't like my home builder. Too many surprises in the process, too many unexpected, unanticipated situations. And so that's what we sought to address. And in the manufacturing industrial space and so many other spaces, we just don't see compelling reasons that are offered by the company as to why you should choose me. We know you're considering us among others. Why should you choose me? And what we have found in a number of industries is by letting the buyer know what they could expect from day one to done, as you put it, I like that, really helped us stand out from any other competitor they were considering. Yeah. And uh, I, just to be fair, do you think there's any downsides of taking this approach? You know, it's funny you say that because many companies don't, you know, they feel it's like their secret sauce, right? you know, and they don't want to reveal it. And what I've often said to them is it, it, it takes a while to develop this. It, just because someone sees it doesn't mean they can do it and have it. And even if they do, you're leading the charge in it. And by branding it, you have still created a proprietary 
point of difference that no one can take away from you. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, Dennis, I think you've made a very compelling case for why businesses should think about branding the how and not the what. Lots of benefits to be derived from that in terms of happier customers, more loyal customers, more competitive customers, maybe higher price points. I mean, gosh, you went through a whole list of potential benefits of taking this approach. Appreciate that. I think we should put the links into the introduction to the podcast so people can track those articles down. If somebody wants to continue this discussion with you, how, how best should they uh, reach out to you, Dennis? Email D Balen, B as in boy, A-I-L-E-N, at chiefoutsiders.com, I think is the best way to get started. And I'd, I'd look forward to any such conversations. Yeah, great. Well, hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the program. I think this is a pretty interesting topic that's of relevance to, as you said, I, we couldn't think of any industries that might not be relevant to. But I think you're right. If you think you, you're doing business in, in a way that's unique, it's probably worth exploring whether you can create additional advantage out of that by branding that particular process or set of processes. So, hey, so thanks for joining uh, the Practical CMO, and we'll hope to have you join us for a future podcast. Mark, thank you so much for having me. A real pleasure. I'm very passionate about this. I see the opportunity and I'd, I'd welcome the chance to talk more about it with anyone interested. Yeah, great. Thanks, Dennis. All right, everybody. Stay well.